0: Welcome to the Sam Says podcast. I'm Samantha Oldsfry, the CEO of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, also known as I'mHIP. In this podcast, we focus on all things surrounding the Illinois Medicaid Managed Care program. I'm the Sam, and Sam says, and today I'm so excited to welcome back. One of our favorite returning guests, Kareem Kenyatta, who's an I'm HIP consultant to talk about all things Springfield and Illinois politics and sort of help us make sense of all that happened this spring and what we can anticipate this summer and fall. Kareem, welcome back, my friend.
1: Thank you for having me, Samantha. Always a pleasure to jump on.
0: And I think, I mean, there's so much to unpack here. We have a few things. Going on, I think it's just important to remind our listeners that this year, as is the trend for the past few years, is different. Legislative session was compressed, it ended early. We adjourned um, in early April. We are now waiting for a the primaries uh, to take place in June. And then, of course, we have our general election in November. So everything we're talking about, I'm going to sort of break it up into spring, summer, fall. But goodness, we have a lot going on.
1: Oh, yeah. And, you know, with the pandemic, um, Springfield was a good indicator of where I think how the pandemic played out across the country and as industries tried to figure out how to bring people back to work, and this new hybrid culture that we live in. And this session definitely was a reflection of that. Um, You know, you had a lot of hearings that were virtual. In addition, you know, politically, you have a lot of people with contested primary races back at home. And so the combination of both the primaries and COVID, you know, created a virtual environment that some people really like, other people really don't like. But, you know, I think we're probably going to be stuck in this hybrid mode at least for you know the remainder of this year or maybe early next year too.
0: And it really just depends on what all these variants um what ends up happening. I mean I think every time we think all right we're done. I mean here in Illinois we were one of the last states with a mask mandate. Um, our record in Illinois really stands just really clear compared to other states. Um, in the region we did a you know the state did a good job of keeping people safe. That being said, everybody's ready to get back to normal, whatever normal looks like. And every time we're like, all right, we're done, you start to see, you know, variants popping back up, cases on the rise. I think we're on the, you know, moving into that now, like medium risk stage. And so what does the fall look like? You know, what does everything look like? We don't know, but I do agree with you with or without COVID the hybrid approach i think is here to stay and i think there are strengths in it i think we've talked about this before about having access to experts access to people with lived experience that aren't don't have the capacity to drive down to springfield for an hour meeting that may or may not start on time Um, you know you can just you have regular people now just regular members um, of people's districts testifying in really meaningful ways that like you could not have if you didn't have this hybrid approach. So I think that's the, the strength of the hybrid approach. I think the weakness Absolutely. is getting the focus, um, that sometimes some complex issues need, um, you know, especially when legislat like when there are new legislators, having them sort of understand the complexities, um, you know, uh, the sharing of information, we talked, we've spent a lot of time talking about this, like, it's amazing how much information and things are handled by just side conversations after a meeting ends or before a meeting starts, or when you're waiting for a le- like you're waiting to meet with a legislator and somebody comes by and you're like, Hey, I need to talk to you on that one bill. And like that, there's a lot of progress that comes about from those small conversations. And those just don't happen anymore.
1: That's right. Yeah. And yeah, the exchange of information is is key. And, you know, although, you know, text messages and cell phones, obviously, that's always an option, but it's not the same. It's like you said, being around the Capitol, uh, you know, a meeting happens and everyone's out of the meeting and you can kind of go over your notes with someone else. And, you know, and these are really big issues we're talking about, you know, related to the budget, you know, related to members districts. And so, Yeah, that's been a big adjustment, I think. And when you talk about the negatives, that's definitely one that stands out to me, too.
0: Absolutely. So that's sort of the framework that we went through legislative session in, which was this sort of hybrid. We don't know like which way is up, and we're just trying to make it all work. And I think we've muddled our way through um, and kept people relatively safe. I mean, we know there were outbreaks amongst, you know, in various staffs and various chambers. And, um, but By and large, nothing significant that we are at least aware of at this point. But from a policy and like progress standpoint, where, you know, what is your initial take on everything that made it across the finish line, things that are still like sort of left to be figured out a little bit later? I mean, what's your thoughts of of what got accomplished?
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting when session started. Uh, both the House and Senate sent indicators out there that hey, we're not really going to be focused on a lot of controversial issues. Obviously, crime and violence is a big issue um, across the state, but particularly in the Chicagoland area. And so I, you know, I think we all had a sense that something would probably be done on the you know crime and violence issue and. I think uh, the attorney general and the retail merchants worked on a piece of legislation uh, geared towards scaling back retail theft, and there were a couple other things in terms of funding for you know mental health and other you know crime-related type issues that received extra funding. And so I, I want to say that was kind of the primary focus. There were other things in the background you know, related to like energy and things like that. But for the most part, you know, I think everything that got across the finish line was either already negotiated or if it needed a negotiation, it was resolved pretty quickly. So not a lot of controversial stuff. You know, I think in any given session, we always have bills that these non-controversial bills that, you know, mostly make up the majority, but you have a few controversial here and there. And this session, we really didn't see that, which I have to be honest, this is the first time I can remember in a long time that we really didn't have a divisive issue that just, you know, kind of tore the chamber apart or turned one chamber against another chamber or both chambers against the governor. Um, you know, obviously you had your Republican Democrat, you know, kind of back and forth as we got towards the end of the session. But, you know, that's typical. But even related to that with the budget, you know, I think there was a lot more cooperation that we normally see on that too. So yeah, all around, you know, I hate to say this is going to be a lasting thing, but at least for this session, it seemed that everyone was on the same page and, you know, they're just going to focus all their efforts on the election. So,
0: yeah. So I think you're exactly right. I think in healthcare, there's one piece of controversy that'll, you know, we'll sort of work through and we'll chat about a little bit later, but I think in general, having people focus on primary and general election and, um, having a lot more money than expected made things easier um, you know money doesn't buy happiness but it sure simplifies things and I think that's what we saw um, in the Illinois budget process this year
1: that's right yeah and the surplus yeah in revenue is something that again we're not used to or haven't seen in a while so. <laughs>
0: Our, our, um, our listeners can't see this, but I just like sort of burst out um, and we are not used to it. We are grateful for it, but we are absolutely not used to extra money. We are not used to a surplus.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think another big push, um, you know, we talked about earlier when we started going through the pandemic and everything related to it, you know, the diversity issues where that's going to, how that played, how that was going to play out over this session and coming sessions. And, you know, you did see in a couple pieces of legislation, you know, and related to healthcare, that that's still kind of a key focus of some of the legislative leaders. So I think we can plan on seeing more of that. And obviously, I think a lot of industries are going to have to be responsive to both the House and Senate on diversity issues. So
0: Absolutely. And I think that's something I like, I really think that the Medicaid MCOs on this piece were like the tip of the spear. We were like the first industry where we were really held to account and asked, where's your diverse vendor spending? What are you doing? What's your plan? How are you going to get there? And I mean, we had some time where we really had to answer tough questions. And here's the other piece not just our vendor spending, but what is the leadership, what is the leadership of our organization look like? And then what is the leader, like what, what about, you know, just the broad, you know, headcount? who are we employing? Do we look like the state of Illinois? And we, and first and foremost in healthcare, but definitely in Medicaid managed care, we have really diverse leadership teams um, with background, like both, um, both you know, gender identity, um, where our, mem- where our teams are from. So like in terms of lo- geographic and then also racial and ethnic diversity within our leadership. And so when I think of our leadership, I'm thinking our C-suite, right? Like CEOs, CMOs, CFOs, COOs, etc. One thing, like for a while, I thought this was like amazing. Um, the, all of the CMOs, chief medical officers, and I think this is still the case of, the Medicaid managed care health plans, all of them are women and the majority of them are women of color. And it's just, it's so just amazing to see the diversity, but then also to ensure that we are regularly shaping policy with diverse voices and experiences. And that just makes it stronger. Like, that just means that what we're pursuing legislatively for our organization is going to be stronger because it's had that diverse input. So, we were lucky in those conversations. We already had a diverse, we are all of the plans already have diverse leadership when you look at the full C suite. And then, healthcare in general, you tend to see more women and more people of color working in those industries. And, and that bears uh, true in the MCOs as well. The second piece that we talk a lot about is our vendor spending. We really have seen just a significant improvement um, and a real purposeful approach by the Medicaid managed care organizations to increase their diverse spending um, by over, I want to say over a hundred million dollars this year um, with most of the Medicaid MCOs reaching their BEP goal. And then when you look at, and that's just BEP certified, but then when you look at not-for-profits they partner with, or businesses that are owned or operated by somebody um, that is a, a maybe weeby business, so minority or women um, owned, but just isn't certified in the state of Illinois, that takes it to a whole new level, far exceeding the goals. So, you know, I really wanna say if you are another healthcare provider or another industry, really take a look at what the MCOs did and what they've experienced because I don't think we're going to be like the only one. Like I, as you said, Kareem, I don't think legislative leaders are going to go, oh, the MCOs figured this piece out. We're going to like not talk to anybody else. And we're going to just move on from the subject. Like I, it's going to remain a focus.
1: You know, compared to 2004, when I first started on the legislative staff, you know, these questions weren't, you know, it was related. I would say more so in the maybe trade industries and, you know, there was questions about labor and diversity there, but you definitely see a lot more of a detailed and, you know, specific kind of request and conversation just around diversity. And I agree with you a hundred percent that the plans have been in a unique position and definitely have had the spotlight, you know, kind of put on them about how they're addressing this. And anyone who's dealt with, You know, whether you are a VP certified business or not, I mean, everyone knows the challenges that are involved. And, you know, it's not always an easy goal to either increase your diversity numbers or start to even look at how to implement a more diverse staff and, you know, just implement that into your everyday operations. So it's been interesting to see it unfold.
0: Yeah. And I, I would say to that point, it's hard and you never accomplish challenging or hard things on accident you have to have a strategy. You have to be purposeful. I mean, here at I'm hip, we meet regularly with all of the plans, um, BEP leads talking about what are best practices? What are the challenges? How do we collectively overcome them? Um, what are things that maybe we just need to raise to legislators like big and small? Like it is a constant conversation and a constant sharing of best practices. And, um, if other industries are going to face this, and I highly recommend they start the conversations now because it is, it is, you have to be purposeful if you're going to be successful.
1: Absolutely. I can see that. That's a, not an easy thing to accomplish, but you know, I think obviously it's good for everyone involved. that. And- you know, the conversations are ongoing, but I do think it requires patience on both sides with the legislature and with, you know, the organizations, companies and industries that are being asked to do some of this stuff because it's not like you could just flip a switch and turn everything on overnight. It it takes time. So
0: it 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 requires a
1: lot of patience. It
0: does patience years. I mean, it took us, you, it took a while because you have to get these companies certified. You have to get them contracted. Like it is not overnight. Um, at all. And, and so pivoting, we've talked a little bit about, I, I think BEP is going to be a focus. I think health equity continues to be a focus. What are we doing? How do we address? And health equity, but then I think we're going to start to see it broader, just equity in general. But we saw a lot within the Medicaid working group as well, with some real investments in some areas that we need, that I hope we'll see some further equity. And I'm hip had an incredibly successful session, with nearly all of our legislative agenda being incorporated within the Medicaid package. Um, the biggest one, the one that I'm most excited about, of course, is a significant increase to the prenatal rates, reimbursement rates. We in Illinois and the Illinois Medicaid program were reimbursing less than like like approximately like $50 for prenatal visits. By a certified OBGYN. Like it's just, um, and, and Medicaid pays for half the births. Like th- that just doesn't add up. And so we were able to pursue legislation where the prenatal reimbursement rate will be at least equal to that of like a, an adult physical reimbursement rate, which we'll, we'll see a significant increase in that, which I think is gonna really help provide um, support to providers that are seeing pregnant people and. I would like it if we could see some more OBGYN offices actually open, but at least I hope we'll see maybe we'll see fewer close um, with this support.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you if you thought, based off the obviously we talked about kind of the surplus we've had in the budget, do you see those dollars having kind of a long term impact? And, you know, obviously there are a lot of industries and issues that were impacted by the amount of funding that's out there, but in the Medicaid space, do you think in the long term? you know, will benefit as a state from the funding that we receive from the federal government and other sources?
0: I do. I think that's a great question. I think that we, you know, part of what we've really shored up is the Medicaid managed care assessment that we passed a few years ago brings in billions of dollars. Um, We increased that this year uh, and are bringing in several hundred million more than we had. So that's, that's stable funding separate and apart from all this, you know, the stimulus funding and everything else. So I think the Medicaid program, you know, the other thing that the state was the Medicaid working group was really smart on doing was they had, they did their best for like, there wasn't a ton of reoccurring costs, um, in terms of, of Medicaid that wasn't, that didn't have a funding source separate and apart from, um, you know, the federal stimulus or anything like that. So I think we're going to see in the Medicaid program, we're going to be all right. I think in other areas, I think they tried really hard not to have funding that keeps going. But if inflation continues to go up, you know, who? it's supply chain, we know we're going to continue to see supply chain issues. We are seeing, you know, with Ukraine and Russia, I mean, the heartbreaking situation there, but like it also is going to impact stuff here at home in terms of our economy, who knows how that all unfolds and what that means for our state budget, you know, next year and the year after that. I think I think for the short, I think six months from now, um, like the first half of the next fiscal year, I think we have a good sense and we'll probably be in a pretty good situation, assuming there's not a shock. But after that, you know, there's... Um, a lot of unknown because we have multiple significant disruptors that we're aware of sort of like sitting out there, like just, we're just waiting to understand how they're exactly going to impact us. And so I think you could see areas, um, in the human service space and education where they're going to have to figure out what do we do long-term with some of these funding that we clearly need. Um, but what does that look like?
1: Yeah, because, you know, just some of the concerns that I've heard from legislators and others is what happens when we get to a point where we don't have all this federal funding coming in. And, you know, do we are we right back where we started or can we use this funding to, you know, maybe design programs or scale back on things that aren't working as much and, you know, go from there. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out.
0: And bring efficiency. So long term, the programs that we need are just a little more efficient and, and thus used need fewer resources.
1: Yeah. And that's one of the interesting dynamics with the legislature now, as you know, we have a lot of newer members coming in, a lot of younger members. And, you know, it's just interesting to see the older members interact with the younger members in the discussion that goes on because, you know, I, I feel like generations look at things different, obviously. And, you know, younger generation, the younger generation isn't as quick to just say, okay, you know, I accept that for what it is. You know, I think a lot, Uh, A lot of newer members want to see why are things this way and they want you to explain it in a way that, you know, I would say traditionally as a lobbyist, you haven't always had to explain things as in detail. And that's nothing against the members that were here before. I just think it was a different kind of understanding of things. And so it's just kind of interesting operating this new space that we're in.
0: It's almost like you have always had to explain the what. What is this program? Now you're also explaining the why. Um, And I also think that because there have been so, so many people have retired. I mean, you've seen just such an exodus and you can, we are continuing to see that exodus that, you know, there used to be a handful of new members every year or every general assembly. And so you were explaining some to some, like to a handful of members, but they were also learning from a bunch of members who had been there for a while, And now you're seeing a lot of new members and that members just don't stay as long. Um, I mean, you still have your incredibly long tenured members like leader flowers, um, who's really continues to carry the mantle of certain things. Um, but you just don't see as many members with that length of tenure.
1: Yeah. I think like you said, it's going to continue to go in that direction. So, you know, as, you have these conversations with legislators, it's important to, you know, just show them everything that we're doing because I feel like sometimes, like you said, when it comes to the why, you know, you have to explain that, you know, some of the a lot of these programs weren't created overnight and there's a reason that they exist. And so before creating a new program to wipe out the old program, you know, I think figuring out how these old programs work and how they could be better utilized, you know, is a good question to ask. And I think, you know, a more seasoned legislator kind of understands, you know, what, what that means and, you know, and that's nothing against kind of the newer members coming in, but as you know, Springfield can be a very um, interesting and complex place. And so sometimes like, you know, it's, it's just good to ask questions, but also be actually hear the information as it's presented to you, because if not, you could easily go down the path where you're either replicating something that already exists or tearing down or taking away resources from something that is already working well. And maybe you just don't know about it yet.
0: Or a third piece, trying something we've already tried. That was just a nightmare. um, Which, I'm seeing some ideas sort of float. I'm like, oh yeah, we tried that. Like we got rid of that program or we transitioned it to this program that's more effective, um, that has that has outcomes that we're measuring. So like, you know, you forget, I mean, even you and I, like sometimes I wake up and I think I've been in this space for like a year. Um, and sometimes I feel like I've been in it for a lifetime, but like we actually have more experience sometimes than some of the, leg- you know, like and that's an interesting thing because I don't feel like we feel, at least I don't feel, Um, like I've necessarily been around as as long as I guess we have been.
1: Yeah, no, it's hard to believe sometimes. Yeah, and having a budget background, you know, I think one of the things you see is exactly that, that members have, sometimes they have initiatives and ideas, which, you know, are great, at least when they're presented to them, but then you start to dig down. And, you know, when we talk about the fact that we've had all these one-time like funding sources, in the past couple years, I think that's the key, you know, let's focus and utilize that funding on programs that we know are going to help vulnerable communities, because as we know, there are not enough resources to go around. And so just having a conversation about what helps and how we can improve upon the things that help. I mean, I think that's the best thing that we could do at this point. If we want Illinois to kind of maintain this fiscal responsibility that somehow we've managed to, slip into which is yeah amazing
0: it's amazing and I think this is where we should wrap up but I know that we need we will definitely need to talk about what we think the world will look like after June um and then probably again leading into the election and then absolutely afterwards I mean what we know already is that we're going to lose two medicaid stalwarts right like we like leader Demer is running for statewide office which means he will no longer be a member of the house republican caucus and then leader harris um who's been such a champion um is retiring and so you know those are two leaders that reached across the aisle that cared about policy and the nitty gritty, and really wanted to understand the what, the why, and the how—you know, like all of it—and uh, they're big shoes to fill. And what does that look like without their leadership? Um, I feel like we could talk about that for like four podcasts, but we'll probably just have to talk about it for one.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Now I love to make sports comparisons, and like you said, that's losing two MVP players and uh, big losses. And you know, it's great for them that they get to kind of embrace these new challenges, but yeah, big loss for the state to not have them in those particular roles right now. So I, you know, and I think as you said, it's gonna be interesting to see who kind of takes on more. There are a lot of folks out there that are interested in learning more about the space. And you know, I think this is a great time for some of the newer members to really kind of step up and try to fill those shoes but big shoes to fill
0: very big shoes uh, kareem as always we could talk about this for days and days and days and for our listeners i promise this is like what our conversations sound like all the time um thank you for being part of the i'm hip team for joining me today and for your invaluable insights um i'm always happy to have you thank you so much all right, to our listeners right. to learn Thank you. more about what I'm Hip is doing and to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one, we encourage you to visit our website at imhip.net. You can also find information about becoming a trusted partner on our website. And don't forget to follow and like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. I'm Samantha Olds-Fry, Sam and Sam Says. Thank you for joining us. And until next time, be well and stay safe.